we thank you that it's something that's so very precious. And yet, we thank you, Lord, that it's not a historical document just like that, but it's something that's living. And we pray that as we study your word now, you would reveal yourself in a new and fresh way. For Jesus' sake. Amen. As uh, some of you will know, a number of us some years ago, um, mostly men, but some ladies as well, um, went to Tanzania and uh, to help with various water projects and other things. And uh, it was a, a wonderful occasion. Some, some of the team are here this morning. But one of the things I remember very much, um, and there were so many things to remember, was looking up into the night sky because it was just unbelievable. Um, there's virtually no, if any, light pollution in the parts of Tanzania we were. And we could just look up and see creation, see the whole universe in an amazing way. And you could just get lost in its immensity. Now, you don't have to go all the way to Tanzania to see uh, the heavens in that glorious way. There are many parts in the UK where you can get away from the lights and just gaze up to heaven and just take in the enormity and as Mary was reminding us to consider those wonderful heavens above. And it's this wonder, this enormity of, of the heavens above that the psalmist in our psalm this morning from Psalm 8 tries to take into account, tries to um, consider all the beauty, uh, all the immensity, all the enormity naturally draws him to God. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It's a verse that we have at the beginning and the end of the, of the psalm. It encapsulates this wonderful um, um, psalm. And so as he is considering as he's marveling in the heavens so he sees in the wonderful heavenly bodies um, the handiwork of, of, of God there and like a, an artist um, he sees God placing the moon and the sun and the stars in their place now of course we know such we know so much more about the universe today. Well, we think we do. Um, and certainly compared to when Psalm 8 was written, where I think it was assumed that the earth was the centre of everything. And, um, and of course, with all the powerful telescopes, all the space modules that have gone up into space, we've just realised that there is no end. We just go deeper and deeper and deeper. It's reckoned, I believe, that... Um, there are a hundred billion galaxies out there. I mean, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? It's sort of eye-watering the, the size of the universe. And uh, I'm sure many of you have watched the wonderful series by Brian Cox, Professor Brian Cox, Cox, Cox um, about the planets. And uh, again, and one can again be just amazed by all that we see. And yet, I think it's always so sad that many astronomers, scientists perhaps too, like Professor Brian Cox, somehow miss 
the whole and most important thing about the universe, that it's made by God. The view is that humankind, if you like, is at the mercy of impersonal, powerful and random forces. We all got here by chance. There's no love, there's no caring hands, there's nothing behind it all. It's all just happening and random. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It's an, I found it quite interesting in that first verse. How majestic is your name? Is it a misprint? Should it be how majestic is your heavens, your creation, is your name? Isn't that interesting? Um, and how majestic is that name? It was as though the psalmist was like a sort of antique dealer. I don't know whether you watch um, various antique programmes, but you see somebody bringing up some, some bit of antique and the expert looks at it and suddenly he turns it over and ah, there it is, there's the hallmark, there's the, um, the signature, there's the, the potter's mark or something like that. And, and it's like that with the psalmist. He sees within the beauty of creation that telltale sign of God the creator. It's got, if you like, the logo of God written all over it. You might be thinking, um, well, why doesn't um, the psalmist use his name? In fact, the, the Old Testament, the whole use of God's name is used very wearily. And I suppose because God is seen as someone so unbelievably wonderful and holy, you can't encapsulate him in a name. And certainly God is not um, forthcoming in giving his name. You may remember the story in Genesis 32 where Jacob is wrestling with God um, and uh, eventually the, um, the wrestling comes to an end and, and uh, Jacob says, says to this unknown person who we realise is God, you know what, tell me, what is your name? And uh, so we thought, is this it? And, uh, and all that God says is, why do you want to know my name? Um, and that was the closest thing that Jacob got to finding God's name. But interestingly, Moses was the one who cracked it. And again, he asks God, well, you know, what is your name? Or what name shall I use when I go to the people of Israel and uh, encourage them that you're coming to release them? And eventually we get, I am who I am. Um, but it's not quite the name that um, Moses was hoping um, but if God had said something like Rudolph, um, yes, I don't know, or even Frank, possibly, uh, um, would that have been helpful? Um, of course, we immediately associate names with people and places, and somehow our whole vision of God would shrink, although not if it was Frank, of course. Um, some people do have the most amazing names, don't they? Um, sorry, I'm going a bit off track here. Um, but if you were watching the Olympics recently, there was a boxer called Delicious. Well, maybe we might have a baptism soon of a... Of a well, I suppose you could have a girl or boy called Delicious. Um, but anyway, God's name does remain a mystery, and it's just as well it, it is. And... Uh, um, 
And yet it is something that is very powerful. And throughout the Old Testament, it goes on about the name of the Lord is to be praised. As, as Paul says in Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. But of course, we do know the name of that Lord, Jesus. That was, if you like, the human present representation of, of God. We've spent a lot of time on verse 1 and, and the end of the psalm. Let's move on to psalm, t- sorry, not psalm 2, uh, verse 2. And interesting, there's a real change in things here because God moves, the psalmist moves from looking at the glory of God right down to the level of children and infants. It's a huge switch, isn't it? It's almost like going, if you're into photography, the sort of the macro, looking at all the big stuff, right down to the micro, the small stuff. And the praise of God in heaven moves to those mere children and infants. God, the one who inhabits the glories of heaven, comes to dwell in the praises of little ones. Isn't that amazing? The message put it in a rather, I think, lovely way. Nursing infants gurgle choruses about you. Unfortunately, we haven't got any children here to gurgle. Oh, it's me. No, 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 no. Sorry. Nursing infants gurgle choruses about you. Toddlers shout the songs that drown out enemy talk and silence atheistic babble. Wow. Pretty powerful, isn't it? The, the, uh, the sounds of children. It's this concern of God about people on earth that the psalmist finds so unbelievable, given the sort of unfathomable size of the universe. And so in verse 4, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. The message puts it, why do you bother with us? Why take a second look our way? Humans are just so insignificant in the context of this enormous and complex universe. Why indeed does God bother? Why is he mindful of us? Are there not more important things for God to be concerned with? And yet we have this amazing love that, has, that, that God has for each of us. Some of you know I'm sure Psalm 139 so well. And uh, in, the, in the message um, version verse 15 and 16 it says you know me inside and out you know every bone in my body you know exactly how I was made bit by bit how I was sculpted from nothing into something like an open book you watched me grow from conception to birth God knows each of us individually and knows us by name Don't be afraid, writes Isaiah 43, I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, you are mine. And later the prophet says, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. Such is God's intimate knowledge and love for us. So we're not insignificant, but precious in God's sight. And so we move to verse 5. And here the psalmist reminds us of humankind's special place in God's creation. You were made a little lower than the heavenly beings, the angels if you like, and crowned him with glory and honour. 
And so we're taken to Genesis 1, where God makes human beings in his own image and blesses them and charges them to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. So humans, if you like, are the centerpiece of God's creation. And he puts us in charge of it to be his stewards. And I love that little bit in, in Genesis 2, where God gives Adam the task of naming, once again the word name comes out, of naming all the livestock, the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And so in verse 6, God makes humankind rulers over the works of his hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fishes of the sea, and all that swim the paths of the sea. Isn't it wonderful how God values us and calls us to be part of his creation to take responsibility to care for it. He calls us to participate in the, if you like, the ordering, the shaping, the stewarding, the caring for life on planet Earth. And I don't need to tell you that we haven't been very good at it, have we? Or every day, not, well, almost every day, we hear of something else that's happened in terms of our, our changing climate. But not only have we spoilt our natural environment, but we've often exploited each other as we've pursued wealth and riches. And so we see amongst us this, this scare amongst scientists of rising levels of carbon dioxide and um, rising global temperatures and the much more unpredictable weather that we have with some areas experiencing unbelievable floods and at the other extreme, some areas of the world facing droughts. And very often it's the poorer communities that are being affected by these um, increasing um, levels of carbon dioxide and rising sea levels if you like, that the richer generation has produced. I don't suppose the psalmist could possibly have imagined um, another viewpoint of us looking back on earth. I wonder if you'd said that to the psalmist. Do you realise in the, in the future we'll be looking back at you? But isn't that just amazing? Now that we've got now that we've got into space, we can look back and see the Earth, and that's changed our whole perception of so many things. That it's just unique, isn't it? That jewel amongst all the you know all the nothingness, if you like. Well, there is not nothingness, but it's just it stands out so beautifully. And I mean, I think it's that that's perhaps inspired us all just to realise what a wonderful Earth that we have and, and why we need to give so much care to it, why we need to think about our, our consumption patterns and our spending decisions because each of them have some effect on the environment. Some of you might know that our church is following the principles of eco-church so we're trying to become more and more conscious of our footprint um, on the environment and trying to look in how we can um, lessen 
those effects. And we've, we're trying to use now energy that, that, that comes from renewable sources. And who knows, we might well even think about getting some solar panels um, on the church. Um, but I'm sure for each of us, we can think in some way of how we can reduce our footprint um, on, the, on the environment. And you may think it's all a bit small and a bit too late, but no, it's not. Uh, I think if we all work together, we can protect our creation for years to come. You may be thinking, well, does God really still care for us? We have rather left this planet in rather a bad state. Has he left us to our own devices? We've got our just desserts. But I think, perhaps, the amazing thing is that however beautiful creation is, how complex and enormous is God's universe, maybe what's much more amazing is God's love for us. He doesn't give up, give up on us, and we see that an amazing commitment of sending his son, Jesus, to die for us, to put things right, to set creation free from its bondage. He draws us back to himself to restore that relationship that we had with him right at the beginning. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. So perhaps as we look round at our beautiful creation, whether it's looking up into the sky or looking into the delicacy of a flower, may we be touched by God's Holy Spirit to give us that desire to bring creation into an area of care and love, that we may indeed be the people of God's creation, loving not only those around us, but also our natural environment. Amen.